Hello and thank you for listening to episode 345 of 60MW. I'm Dave and this is another of our interview shows and in this one I chat to Dio Okanee about his role as Shields Green in the movie Emperor which is available now on digital and is released on DVD on the 5th of April by Kaleidoscope Entertainment. There is a written review of it on our website. I'll put a link to that in the podcast notes. Have a read. It's a great film. I really enjoyed it. I thought Dio was superb in it, and it was a pleasure to have a chat with him. You know by now these interview shows. I only chat with people whose work I really love, uh, and I loved him in this, and I've loved him, some of his work before. Uh, so, of course, again, the usual tangents that we go off on on these little chats. Uh, we touch on his role as Thresh in The Hunger Games, and how could I not have a chat with Dio about his role as Danny Dyson in Terminator Genesis? And as you'll hear, uh, it's he's excited as uh, as I am that he's he's a part of the Terminator world. Uh, what a great great opportunity that was for him, and you'll hear a really interesting story about that too. And of course, you'll hear lots of interesting stuff about Emperor. Uh, I do uh, advise that you go and watch it. I had a great time with it. Um, you can stream it now if you want to go and watch it on digital. Or if you're like me and you're old school and you like the physical product, well, April the 5th, you've not got long to wait until it's available to buy. So sit back, relax, get comfortable and listen to me and Dio have a good old chat about Emperor and a little bit more besides. Hello, Dio. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm very good. And whereabouts? Am I right in saying that you're in Canada at the moment? Is that right? I am. I am in Canada. I'm shooting a show. And I've been told by the show, you can't tell people you're shooting the show. (laughs) uh, Because it's one of those ones where something happened with my character previously. And so... Uh, they want the audience still waiting to see what's going to happen. So I can't tell you what show I'm shooting out here, but yeah, definitely in Toronto shooting a show. That's fine. I'm yeah. tease for everybody. That's good. That's all good. Yeah. Uh, now I watched Emperor um, with Tina, my partner, right the other night. We both loved it. Uh, great film, great story. You're superb in it. it Thank did, you. It did something uh, because I'll, I'll hold my hand up. I wasn't aware of, of Shields Green and the full story through watching Emperor, and this is a sign of a good film, it took me down a rabbit hole online to start <laughs> reading more about him, which is, right. again, is the sign of a film hooking you in and wanting to know more about it. Yeah. Um, before we get onto that, because there's a lot that I want to talk to you about it as well, a little bit about you, because I was mm-hmm. reading I was reading some of your history, and mm-hmm. I'd say about 10 years ago, I moved from England into Wales, which considering okay. I've moved from just one side of the border to the other, meant a journey of about 40 miles at most. You and your family moved from Nigeria to America. I mean, That's right. What on earth was that like for you when, when all that happened? You know, it's, it's so funny. People always say, you know, oh, my gosh, it must have been the biggest culture shock. And you must have. No, it wasn't. wasn't it? I grew up watching so much television, <laughs> you know, from the, which is funny because I feel like in Nigeria, we got the best of both worlds. We got the, the best of like British television, which, whether it was Faulty Towers or oh, whatever the case is. may be. And then, you know, we also grew up watching, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and The Cosby Show and whatever the case may be. So, you know, I, I you know, it's so the, the American dream is America's best export it is you know what I mean it's it 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 so seeps into the cultures of a lot of other countries so you know initially my parents had gone to college in the states when they were a lot younger and then had moved back to Nigeria so when it was time for my siblings and I to go to school we generally we just wanted to go to the same school our parents went to because they spoke very highly about 
the college they went to, Anderson yeah. University, and they had pictures. And, you know, my dad played basketball, and, you know, I just – he was my hero growing up, so I just wanted to do exactly what he did. And so, yeah, eventually immigrated to the United States uh, really academically to go to school. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of my family after college, they all moved back to Nigeria, but I'm the prodigal son who wanted to become an actor <laughs> and, uh, which was a different conversation with my folks at that point. But, um, so I was the one who stayed behind after mm-hmm. school and all that to, to pursue acting. And, yeah. and, uh, luckily I think it's working out. It's doing um, okay. Yeah. But yeah. That's how we kind of ended up in the States. Yeah. Cause you got a bachelor's degree, didn't you? Yes, I did. did. Got a bachelor's degree in visual communications design and business. I was going in, in a different life. <laughs> like, here's the thing. I told my folks I wanted to be an actor, and they were like, oh, that's cool, but you, you're getting a degree. Get a degree in something. Mm-hmm. We don't care what it is. Just get a degree in something that can get you a real job. And then, uh, yeah, then you can go work on the acting thing. So yeah. if that doesn't work out, you have something to fall back on, you know. So, and I thought, you know, that made sense to me as a kid. I never pushed back against that. I was mm-hmm. like, that's that's great advice from parents. And, yeah, um, it kind of worked out. I, I'm yet to use my my uh, design degree. <laughs> I got a job at Apple years ago before I landed the Hunger Games. And uh, when I got the Hunger Games, I had to tell them that I couldn't take this job at Apple. But I couldn't <laughs> tell them. It was for the Hunger Games because the press hadn't oh, dropped yet. Right. And I remember the chick, the, 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 the lady, chick, the lady who hired me, she was like, you got to offer somewhere else other than Apple. I was like, yeah, she said, where, where, where? And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't tell you where. She's like, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to get into Stanford than it is to work at Apple. You know that, right? I was like, I'm sorry. I just can't tell you. I just can't tell you. So she was so angry with me at the time. Hopefully she saw Hunger Games and she understood yeah eventually why i didn't take the job but um but yeah um that's kind of my immigration story in a very quick quick uh abridged nutshell i mean that was a really big decision right there i mean working for apple i presume is you know quite a safe job and you could have carried on in that way to take that leap and fair play it is the hunger games as well you know a a big (laughs) with the bucks and you you know it's it's going to do well but that was a really big decision did was there any hesitancy at all when that was put to you or were you just 100% that's coming through? No, I, you know, I always quote the Lord of the Rings, you know, you have to have a fool's hope. <laughs> going to LA is like going to Mordor. You just have to have a fool's hope. And, um, and, and you have to be, you have to be prepared, but also have a very healthy amount of ignorance because, if you start to look at the numbers and the probability of making it in this industry, it's staggering. It's staggeringly against you. Yeah. And, um, I, and I just didn't care. I just didn't look at any of that stuff. I, I, I'm still passionate about acting to the day and storytelling. And as I was back then, you know, it's, it's just funny that it's in after things started to somewhat work out for me that I started to do the research and I'm like, Whoa, like I was really, that was very ill-advised decisions to pursue <laughs> acting, but um, it's one of those things you're happy to be on the other end of the pond and, and looking yeah. back and going, wow, I'm, I'm happy I was brave enough to make that choice. But it really, it happened, the amount of luck as well that goes into to, to that as well mm-hmm. is it's just staggering. So I just feel blessed even talking to you about a movie that I'm the lead in. That's, it still blows my mind still blows my mind that's great i mean it, uh, i guess that's a good feeling to hold on to you know through your career yeah. as well because it would be an easy thing i would have thought you know if stardom suddenly comes and uh, all the attention it would be easy to to lose track of of how everything begins and who who you are as well as a person oh yeah oh yeah 
Oh yeah. But yeah, but it also took some time. You know, I mean, I've, I've been doing this now 10, this would be 10 years since the hunger, no, nine years since the hunger Games. So it wasn't just like from hunger games to a starring mm-hmm. role. Oh, yeah, like yeah. It, it was, it, it built, it, it, it was a building process, a domino effect. And, but my agents and my managers and I, we always had this idea, okay, we'll give it in 10 years. We want to be in a certain place. And so, yeah, it seems like it's, uh, it's working out, you know? So it shout is. out to my parents for <laughs> not completely beating the idea down, but laying a, laying a pathway to it. Good sure. parents. Definitely good parents right there. Yeah. They're would, awesome. Would you say with the hunger games, are. when I looked at the release date for it, I couldn't believe it was nine years ago. I, I would yep. never have guessed it was that long ago that I first I know. watched it. Wow. It's pretty insane. Yeah. And like you said, you've, you've a lot has happened to you in that time. And just one thing before we get onto Emperor that I want to pick up on, because mm-hmm. you're you're in the Terminator universe. You're Danny Dyson. Yeah. How did that, yes, how did that come about? Because that, that must have been a thrill as well. Because it, that, that was, it absolutely was. Um, you, you know, I'll tell you a very funny story about the whole Terminator thing. Um it was, it was very, very peculiar. I had, I, <laughs> I had read for star Wars, the star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And I had been pinned for that. I remember I was getting ready to fly to LA. I'm sorry, fly to London to, to do some more tests for that with JJ Abrams and all those folks. And, and it's it, that, that project was so hot. Star Wars was so hot that if you were in any capacity, being considered for a role in that every other studio <laughs> wanted you for for their movie because they just felt like you know oh this these are the blue blue chip stock actors right now and um and so based off of the rumor that i was going to screen test for star wars i had a meeting at skydance with um with uh the, the producers over there dana goldberg and some other people and they pitched me terminator and i made myself a little audition tape and they hired me right away. They were like, yeah, you know, and then of course Star Wars ended up not happening, but I do have to thank Star Wars because I think they forced uh, Skydance hand in, in, in some capacity. But yeah, that's kind of how that happened. But it was also such an amazing, I mean, I love the Terminator movies growing up. I remember seeing Terminator uh, 2 and, you know, I mean, uh, Dyson had such a, such a delible impact on me. You know, the fact that he was an African-American, but in that story, he was playing the genius. He's yeah. the one who created the technology that eventually creates Skynet and the the machines. I mean, it was so ahead of its time. I feel like sometimes people don't give James Cameron a lot of credit. I mean, he had Linda Hamilton be, not just Linda Hamilton, even going back to, well, I guess that would be Ridley Scott with Aliens, but he picked up the Aliens franchise. But like, a strong female lead yeah. in a science fiction series and a black scientist that creates is the genius behind the machines. I mean, it was, we didn't see figures like that growing up, you know, it was so yeah. cool. So to be, to be able to receive the, the baton of that story in any way was so massive. And I loved Arnold growing up. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. I was, I was, I was a beyond a fanatic growing up. So <laughs> getting a chance to make that movie. I know my parents, my, my dad specifically, cause he knew my obsession with Arnold Schwarzenegger growing up and being in a movie with Arnold was just like some wild kids fantasy coming yeah. true. It was so crazy, you know? Um, yeah. I look back on that so fondly. That was such a great experience, you know, being in that movie and getting to play, you know, this young tech CEO, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's just one of those roles that never comes along. He just, you know, just doesn't, especially for actors of color. So it was amazing. Sure. What a great story. And it's, I'd love to know with with your preparation as an actor. So let's, with Danny Dyson, fictional character. Is there any difference when you're prepping for a character like that to with Shields Green in Emperor when it's, it's a historical figure, it's a real person? Right. Um, not, not really, honestly, for me, the process is quite the same. I, I, I always start with, because it's me, right. I'm every character you play is a a part of you. Your, your, it's your tool. Your, your body is your tool, your heart, your, your voice. That's your tool. So I always start, always start from an instinctual place. I always start from the inside with how this thing feels when it's coming. When, when I read the script, I'm already talking i'm already saying it out loud i want to see how it sounds like coming out of my mouth i always start from that place um and and then i work my way outwardly so i start from the heart of the character what does the character want deeply what is he looking for and the only difference between danny dyson and with shields green is then i go and reaffirm if what i'm feeling from within Mm -hmm. uh matches externally what what this real life person was like, yeah. you know? So, you, you know, I then would go read Frederick Douglass's book where he talks about Shields Green, um, which is one of the very few accounts there is of Shields Green out there at all, mm-hmm. you know? And, but, but it paints a very clear picture of him very quickly in, in Frederick Douglass's book. You know, he talks about him as being, you know, a, a single minded, not single minded, but a, a determined minded individual. You know, he spoke very deliberately in a broken up cadence. You know, he was a man of resilience. You know, people called him emperor. It was his nickname. Mm-hmm. Was this from some association with royalty from his African roots? Or was it just something they called him because of the way he carried himself? Yeah. When you hear that, it just paints a picture immediately. So now I'm trying to match that with what what I was, what I'm trying to create from within, yeah. you know, and, and another thing is Shields is also, there's just very little information. There are fragments of information about him out there. So a lot of the research that I would now do externally were just on, you know, what was on what the daily life of a slave was like, you know, what are those accounts and, and what kind of psychological effects would that have on an individual, yeah. you know? So I studied, you know, trauma in children, you know, uh, child abuse specifically. And, you know, Mark M and the director and I, we worked on uh, shields changing over the course of the movie. So in the beginning of the film, um, you know, he doesn't maintain a lot of eye contact with his overlords. You know, he's, you know, his head is always down. Yeah. Lack of eye contact is a, is a character trait very widely shared amongst, you know, children of child abuse and he would have been born into slavery. Mm -hmm. So you would want that to, to, to carry on. And then the whole thing of his speech pattern, how he spoke very deliberately and how that cadence really came from, um, he probably had a stutter as a child, you know, that's another trait from child abuse is a stutter. And so um, in, in trying to work on his stutter, he would just try to slow down what he was trying to say. So you reverse engineer some of those things to try to come to, to build a character that feels authentic in in some form of fashion. But then again, he's called emperor, Mm -hmm. you know, he was known as emperor on his plantation. So what, how, how does, how does abuse translate into somebody who's very certain or sure of themselves? And it's just, it's playing against his trauma. A lot of the things of why he's, 
look so confident to other people. It's not because, you know, I always tell my niece this, and I think I read it. I probably stole it from somewhere. (laughs) But it's the idea of courage is not the absence of fear, you know. Courage is is doing what you need to do in spite of the fear that you feel and other people around you might just go, Oh my gosh, he's the bravest person. You know, he's so courageous. You know, he doesn't feel fear. No, it's quite the contrary. So we wanted to play shields that way. You know, he's not stoic for stoic sake. He's stoic because he has no other choice, but to be stoic. And so I, you know, we were very, very cautious about not making him a superhero you know, and yeah. when he's in fear, he's in fear. And the first night he spends alone in the in the woods, he weeps. He completely yeah. breaks down when the realization of my wife is gone. I might never see my son again. He crumbles. You know, I was like, I don't want him to just be this, you know, macho Superman type <laughs> of a guy. Yeah. You know, he's not. He was an everyday person like you and me. Um, he just he just was able to 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 face his fears head on. Um, so yeah, these are the, these are the ways I build characters. It just has to come from a logical place. And then, you know, you go and look at the history pages and you make adjustments to the things that you were right about or the things that you were wrong about, Yeah, you know? Um, yeah. And just go from there. I think with you saying as well that he wasn't, you know, you don't portray him as being this Superman and he has got yeah. vulnerability. He's, he's also really strong as well. He's got, you know, both the sides to him and you portraying yeah. him like that. It really draws yeah. you in more as a viewer. You really have a lot of empathy for him. And this, I mean, the, the film takes you through all the emotions. It really does drag you through all the emotions. What was yeah. it like for you, you know, playing some of these parts? I mean, we were watching some, you know, some of the scenes and you're going, oh, my God, that is like, that's awful. <laughs> so bad. I, I remember, you know, I remember reading the script and going, okay, I got to get my cardio up because he's running from page yeah, one yeah. to <laughs> page does, 100. Yeah. And so, okay. <laughs> Went in the gym and started running five miles every day because we were going to be in Savannah, Georgia, which is known for having notoriously hot and humid summers. So I just knew my cardio, my endurance has to be up to make this film. So definitely had that. Um, Oh, he's riding a horse. I'd never ridden a horse before. So the production company, you know, um, set me up with this lady up in New Jersey and, you know, was riding I started riding three times a week, four, four times a week um, for about two months before I started filming. So learned how to ride a horse. Oh, there's a scene where he has to have a snake crawl over him. I have the biggest phobia for snakes oh, no. on the planet. Oh, So I was like, oh. I have to get over this phobia. So I started meditating and started doing some kind of talk <laughs> therapy because I have to shoot this scene with the snake and I don't want to pass out. And I'm not going to use the fake snake because, you know, when award season comes along, they're going to give it to the guy who used the real snake. <laughs> so, you know, it was just a common, I mean, there was, there was, there was so much in this film that as an actor, you want those challenges. Honestly, you really do want those challenges. You want to be pushed and you want, you want to know how far you can go. And then I'm also happy that a role like this came to me at this point in my life, because you know, when, when we shot this film, I had just tur- turned 30. I turned 30 while we were making the film, and, and I just felt like I was a richer individual. You know, I just felt like I had gone through a lot in my life and a lot of a lot to pull from, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and so for a lot of those scenes, there was somewhere to go inwardly to find that level of, of despair, to find that level of trauma, you know. Um, and yeah, and then just really trying to read everything under the sun about that era, about, 
you know, what the daily life of, of slaves was like. And, you know, it's one of the other things that comes to mind, especially when you're playing this duality of tortured yet strong and stoic is, um, is, is the idea that even though is the idea that desperation is the mother of invention, Mm -hmm. you know, and even the human will is so hard to destroy or so hard to break down that as dire as the circumstances that enslaved people were going through, they found ways to bring beauty into their life. They actually cared about their appearance. They cared about their hair. They cared about their skin. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of accounts of, of them using, you know, pig fat to moisturize their skin or to braid their hair or how they would, you know, using their metalworking skills to make little pieces of jewelry for themselves. And I was like, Ooh, you know, you latch onto things like that in the research, because if this is a guy who was known as emperor, he would be slightly different from the people around him, Mm -hmm. the other enslaved people. And, um, out of that came the idea of the bracelet that my wife wears in the story, oh, you know, okay, yeah. uh, we had, I, I remember I had rec- I, I, uh, Notori Norton who plays my wife. She had suggested that, Oh, she should have some kind of a bracelet or something. And a lot of the production was like, no, but where would she get that? Like she, they don't have any money. They don't, they don't care about their appearance. You know, they're stripped away from everything, but it's like, no, when you have everything taken from you, you, you make things yeah. for yourself. Yeah. You know, they were actually, pretty colorful with the way they, you know, would use flowers to dye their clothing or use ox blood to dye literal ox blood to dye their clothing, you know, and, and that, that kind of invention that can only come from desperation. And then the idea of that bracelet being something that shields made Mm -hmm. for his wife, I thought that was, that was, you know, brilliant. And, And it showed resilience, even in the most vulnerable of places, you know, so you just stretch and try to find these things that color the character real and interesting ways, you know? Um, so yeah, you're constantly fighting that duality, you know, I don't want him to be a superhero, but you do have to somewhat be a superhuman to make decisions like that, to take agency of your life in a time like that, you know? So um, it's rather complex. It is, yeah. I mean, what a what a strong man he, he was. Yes. Uh, and again, yes, you know, as I said at the beginning, to watch this film and then go online and do a deep dive and to read a lot more mm-hmm. about him is is enlightening. More people should do that, and I'm sure they will after watching the film as well. Yeah. What was it like for you the first time that you watched it? You know, you sat there and the, the finished edited version. Oh man, it was. Well, you. It, the very first version I watched, there's no music in there. It's an absolute rough cut. It's not color timed. Um, you've got Mark doing my ADR because I haven't <laughs> even done like some of the additional dialogue in there. So there are weird scenes where like it goes from my voice to like Mark's voice, like doing some dialogue that he wants me to come in and replace. So, you know, I, every time the very first time I watch a movie, I'm really just watching it for technical reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just watching it. Is, is it tracking? Is the story moving? You know, and, and, um, you know, Oh man, I got a double chin in that one scene. Oh, I don't really like, <laughs> you know, like the, the really stupid stuff. Um, but the very first time I saw it all completed and put together was in LA. We had a very small premiere. This is after COVID obviously, mm-hmm. which really sucked. You know, we really wanted the movie yeah. to have a theatrical release, but, when I saw it all put together with the music and everything, I was just, just blown away, just blown away about uh, 
our makeup department, our hair department, the clothing department, you know, it takes a village to make these movies. And I was just so proud of everyone that came together to try to make this thing the greatest thing it could possibly be. You know, we're an independent movie, you know, we didn't have a big studio backing. And I just really felt like everyone brought their A game, you know what I mean? And, and, and so the very first time I saw it, I just had this sense of just pride in my heart that, you know, everyone kind of just came together and gave their best work to make this, you know, Mark's, Mark's passion project really, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, yeah. And, and I just was like, I can't wait for my nieces to see this. You know, I can't wait for my nephew to see this. I can't wait for people in my family to see this, not specifically because of me, but specifically because of what it says about, about what it means to be a human. And then it it also, you know, we, we shot this movie in 2018 um, even though it didn't come out till 2020. Mm-hmm. So, and then when it came out was when America was just going through it, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. over that summer, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement. So when the movie did come out, it came out right at the perfect time, mm-hmm. you know, to just talk about resilience and to just talk about, no, now is the time for change. We've been, we've been going through this stuff in America for yeah. so many years and it just was ready. It, it was ready to, to hit the national stage. And uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm glad it did. And like I said, I just encourage everybody to, to watch it. I'll be, uh, I did the written review on the website. I'll put the link to that in the show notes for this. Uh, and uh-huh. yeah, just go and watch. And I'm sure over the next 10 years, I look forward to watching more that you do. Love to have you back on the show as well, Dio, at, at some point and, and chat about some more of your projects. Uh, but Absolutely. For, for the sake of the edit, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, continued success. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. Another one that I really enjoyed. I love doing these interview shows. It's great to chat to people whose work that I love. Uh, Always get good feedback from you too. I know you like listening to them as well. This show as well is also available on our YouTube channel as a video show. So that's really good if you want to actually see me and Dio. Uh, Not so much me, mostly Dio, who wants to see me. Uh, it's available there and um, hopefully you already subscribe to the YouTube channel too. There's lots of different stuff that goes up on, on there. If you enjoyed this interview show, there's lots more on the website. There'll be a link in the podcast notes to all of our other interview shows. Lots of people from the movie business, from the music business, even people from the video game business as well. Lots for you to choose from, as well as all our other format shows too. Lots of different ones that you can have a listen to if you haven't already. And on there as well, there's all links to our social media, our Twitter, our Instagram, at 60MW Podcast, um, numerical 60, of course, alphabetical, as is our website, of course, which is 60MW.co.uk. Have a look around there, bookmark it, make it your homepage, go on, go mad and do that, why not? Uh, so thank you for listening. I'll be back very soon. The next show that is scheduled is another interview show. And uh, I'll leave it there as a little tease for you. That's coming out in a few days' time. So thank you for listening, and we will be back again very soon.